the Fox show, um, you're listening, you're tuning in in your car somewhere, you're watching, you're wondering who are these guys, you know, I stumbled on, Christopher Walken's on the show, I'm not sure, is he? Maybe. <laughs> This week on the What the Fog Show. A little over two years ago, I finally got bitten by the bug of listening to a lot of podcasts. I was old enough for my interest in like listening to a lot of new music was starting to kind of fade. Yeah. But I just started really, I got obsessed with like the Joe Rogan experience and the Nerdist and all these, there are just so many phenomenal podcasts out there that had all these brilliant guests. But one thing I noticed was that there was no podcast that was tackling film in a way where I wanted it to be tackled. But I I, I just basically realized if I want to hear the podcast that I really want to hear, you have to make I it. might as well just make it. How the Falk are you doing? My name is Connor Falk, and this is the What the Falk Show. Welcome to informational, witty, and hopefully thought-inducing conversation. You're finding the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Pod Directory, my parents' phone, and the text message I just reluctantly sent you. But hopefully, as you know, it's a personal text message. I didn't put it on like a a, a chain or anything, so you're not going to get a bunch of alerts. Just a text message from me to you saying, hey, here's some What the Falk Show conversation. My guest this week, uh, James Hancock. He's the creator of Geeking Out, and he's the co-founder of Wrong Reel. Now, Geeking Out is a YouTube channel. It's, a, it's also an online radio show. He talks about film a lot has a lot of experience in the business as well and, and with wrong reel that's a very popular podcast that they host and wrongreel.com is a really cool website for any cinephiles out there now cinephile i think it would be the good word for this interview and that's because from afar i've respected his movie choices i've respected the kind of things he talks about on twitter the kind of things he, he retweets out there and, and the kind of films he seems to be a fan of and just overall the guy just loves filmmaking in general obviously anybody who listens to the what the fuck show knows that that's something i'm a big fan of and that's why i live in la that's why i work in the business because i love this industry so for anyone listening right now, this is going to be a film TV focused kind of interview. So hopefully you like TV and movies and you can learn something about it. If not, then maybe there's going to be some TV movies you've never seen. And you're like, hey, that might fall could not be too bad. You can find James Hancock at Cole Brax on all social media. And make sure to check out wrongreel.com and at Geeking Out on Twitter. Let's go ahead and talk to James Hancock. Falk, yeah. This is James Hancock. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How the fuck are you doing? I'm doing just great. Thank you so much for having on your podcast. Yeah, of course. And you're out in New York right now on the East Coast. Is, is it pretty cold out there right now? It's cold, but not too cold. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's livable. I, I used to live in L.A. for about seven years, and I got very accustomed to Southern California weather, but oh, okay. after about eight years in New York, I feel like I've kind of finally adapted. Well, fuck yeah, man. I appreciate you being on the show, and I, I talked about kind of in my intro about well, part of the reason I'm having you on, and I think it's just kind of a the cool part of social media, just a, uh, a respect from afar in terms of the kind of movies you're into that you talk about. You and I seem to kind of have the same affinity for films overall, or just a love overall, and always give a film a chance, I think. I just It seemed like you're pretty open to different things in terms of film and television, things like that, so uh, happy to have you on the show. Talked about you being uh, one of the co-founders of wrongreel.com and the creator of Geeking Out. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to do for the next uh, half an hour if you're down, dude. We're just going to fall and geek let's out. Do it. Okay, uh, Falk. I'm, I'm an egomaniac. So I'm always happy to talk about my personal projects. Okay, Falk. And I think we use the same mic, which is pretty cool from watching your YouTube channel. So we got that going yeah, with yeah, us, too. Yeah, the Yeti. The and, uh, but I also wanted to give you a thanks for all the retweets you give me on Twitter. I noticed today you retweeted my Dario Argento trailer for Suspiria. So I did. So anyone who's a fan of Suspiria is all right in my book. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, what he can do makeup-wise and just effects-wise, the guy deserves a lot in some really just cool horror movies from back in the day. And his daughter was really hot in Triple X, you know, so I do have oh, a lot of... Yeah. I do have an affinity for the Argentos. So let me start off, man. Like, where, where are you from? You said you were in California for seven years. Now you're in New York. So where'd you uh, where'd you start? I was brought up in North Carolina, Virginia. 
Virginia, and then when I was at school at the University of Virginia, I started interning out in L.A. for a producer named Sid Gannis back at uh, Out of the Blue Entertainment at Sony. Okay. And while I was out there, I started attending all these great old revival houses like the New Beverly and the New Art, and I just my obsession with movies kind of reached almost unhealthy highs, <laughs> but it just embarked me on this 20-year obsession where I do a little producing and animation with director Bill Plimpton. I run the podcast where I get to meet other filmmakers and other commentators on film. And then I recently started the YouTube Geeking Out channel just because I feel like, why not have one more talking head on the internet vomiting their unsolicited opinions onto the internet? But people seem to be liking it. My Westworld reviews were pretty popular, and I just yeah. recently signed with BBTV, the multi-channel YouTube network. So, uh, yeah, it seems to be uh, all working out in my favor. Well, that's fucking awesome, man. Exactly. Why not? That's part of me doing the show. I just I got a mic, and I could meet people over social media. You be an example of that. So why not go ahead and talk about like-minded things? And if I can, provide some witty, informational, thought-inducing conversation, whether it's about Westworld or pizza, regardless. I'm happy with that. Now, James, I have to ask you, you're in New York. Can we assume that you're a fan of pizza? Do you love pizza? I do indeed, and I live about a block and a half away from a place that I would argue is the best pizza in Manhattan called uh, Arturo's on Houston. Now, it's easy to get a fight going if you claim to know what pizza is the best, especially if you're not from here, but uh, I will trade body blows with anybody who uh, disagrees with me. It is uh, an absolutely phenomenal place, old school place in the village, great jazz music, and it's just got all this incredible atmosphere, and the food is first rate. Well, so. absolutely. Absolutely, and, and there's no need to go to blows over pizza because, first off, it's a necessity and a proximity thing because my pizza place that I think is the best price for the most love in it, you have the most literal love, not like anything gross, but cool love, appreciation in the pizza by the owners, who I know personally, who are also sponsors of the What the Falk Show. It's in Bakersfield. So if you're in Central California, if you're in Bakersfield, you get to have that. If you're in Manhattan, you know, which sounds pretty awesome, you... Uh, you, get, you in LA? I lived in West LA. I lived in Long Beach. I lived in Central LA. I lived in uh, Studio City. So I lived in every part of the city now for me uh, i'm kind of fine with the quiet and then i drive to the the busy for work and things like that and funny enough i've also worked at sony a lot as you did um so you worked there a while so that's interesting we're yeah, on the same right lot there at venice and sepulveda for years oh nice a, a script reader over at uh, phoenix pictures and so i was like you know, a five block walk from the studio which is unheard of in la to be able to walk to to your job and i would just go over there pick up a stack of books and scripts every day and come home crank them out write my coverage and that sort of thing and granted the pay was not necessarily one designed for um long-term uh prosperity but it gave me an opportunity to work with a lot of producers and read a lot of great material so that was a, a very very fun time in my life living over there in culver city oh folk yeah and if i'm remembering right i have to thank you it's at phoenix pictures for the movie bats which i believe you guys made and for I some was not there at the time i was there from like 2002 to 2006 so during okay. that time there were like when i first arrived they were doing like basic and then they did like all the king's men they also um they did the oh my god i'm blanking on the name it was the dennis lahane novel that was made to a martin scorsese film where uh, leonardo dicaprio goes to that prison on that island and it turns Sh out shutter island or, yeah shutter island i was, was actually the first person to read the book when i was submitted what'd you think i mean so okay let me credit for the movie what'd you but, think uh, it was uh, i, I gave it a very high recommendation at the time the, the novel was absolutely sensational and i thought the movie totally lived up to it yeah i was a big fan of shutter island i actually i, I didn't i didn't go into it expecting a horror movie and, and that's kind of what i didn't get out of to me it was a tragedy it was like a shakespearean tragedy in a lot of ways and and i'm always the 100%. kind of i'm always the kind of guy at the end of the movies i like it when there's that kind of pain and character change and things like that because that's life and the music in that movie i mean i have most of it on my itunes actually there's one specific song uh, that i use i think it's over the moonlight or something so yeah shutter island was fucking great movie uh, scores an actor what kind of movies are you drawn to i know that you do 
some performing. Is there I do. Is there a particular genre or style of filmmaking that you kind of like get inspired by? I guess I, I watch everything. So when I was a kid, my dad obviously liked watching movies. We go to Blockbuster, we rent them. But I would spend my summers in San Diego with my uncle, and he just had so many movies, and I didn't have any parental anything. I had to watch whatever I wanted. So I was watching the trauma films, Toxic Avenger, at like nice. seven, and I'm like, this movie's awesome, you know? And I'm watching like uh, some Scorsese movies early on, and, and uh, The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. I watched a lot of Eddie Murphy movies as a kid. So for me, it, it's really anything. Uh, black and white, I, I'm into, but it just it's, it's a little bit different production value. And if you feel it all working in the business sometimes, like I notice things so much more than other people, I feel like, and that kind of sucks in a way. So especially sets or bad makeup or bad lighting or just bad acting. So I, I give everything a chance, but I'm all over the place. Like favorite director, Tony Scott. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but from the entertainment, yeah, I, I, I love you. I love Tony Scott. I love like The Hunger and I love uh, True Romance. But it's funny we're talking about like working in the industry, how it changes the way you look at movies. But what it, I've also noticed is that my appreciation for a truly great one, it goes up even more because when I see a movie that makes you forget, I'm watching a movie that makes me forget to look behind the curtain, then I realize it's really doing its job because it's very, very easy yeah. to kind of nitpick once you kind of like have worked in the industry for a little while. But I still feel like a truly great filmmaker can come along and give you this transport of immersive experience that makes you forget all your knowledge of the industry. Oh yeah, and that's the goal. When you're getting the chills and you, you get those chills and you pretty much remember that moment, what you were watching, where you were watching it. And those are the films that really stick with you. And I think you and I probably had enough of those movies in our life that led us to this point here talking about film and television, one in Los Angeles and one in New York. So uh, it's pretty fucking awesome. So let me ask you, you started this love for film. You talked about the new Beverly, but what was like the first movie you ever remember? Like ever remember well, watching? or who these directors were. I kind of discovered who they were after the fact. But movies by John Carpenter, movies by David Cronenberg, movies by guys like John Landis. There were a lot of filmmakers at the time, John Milius, James Cameron, who were really just completely, utterly blowing my mind. And then the obvious guys like Spielberg and Lucas, because if you're a kid in the early 80s, you're going to be just all over Lucas and Spielberg. So I just I count myself fortunate as someone who really, really enjoys kind of escapist genre entertainment, that it was a kind of a, almost like a renaissance period for that kind of, uh, that type of storytelling, that type of filmmaking. And I loved how they had great practical effects. I love how a PG back then could be like a PG with edge. You could have like nudity yeah. and balance in it. Like it's, it was a very different time in terms of rating and um, just like oversensitivity to uh, people being upset by something they see on screen. Like, I like big budget PG-13 movies. I mean, I'm a massive fan of like Marvel and superhero movies. I, I totally dig all that stuff. However, I do miss the days where Hollywood would do big budget kind of R-rated mature entertainment. And it seems like they kind of got cold feet after a few movies. Like when they, I guess a couple of years ago when they did The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by, by David Fincher, everyone kept saying, oh, this is a $100 million R-rated movie. If this does well, it's going to kind of open the doors again to that kind of entertainment. And sadly, they just didn't prove to be the case and uh, the film underperformed so i just keep hoping that we'll get like a, a return to the 80s where hollywood really embraced mainstream amateur storytelling all in one girl with the dragon tattoo just obviously has some really dark scenes and i could think that especially for middle america or certain people it could just be a little bit too much but talking about the 80s yeah milius uh donner all those different people think about lethal weapons if there's movies that i grew up watching most i mean one through three lethal, lethal weapons two is probably my favorite oh, yeah. it's, it's one of the darkest ones and and those were pretty gritty you had boobs you had hookers you had drugs you had guns you had you know, scary gary Busey. you had executions and things like that but because it was actually in the story and kind of it fit 
I don't think people got too crazy on it. Those are like PG-13 R-rated movies. So I totally see what you're saying. Like a John Milius, I mean, with Conan the Barbarian, like you had to make Conan that way for it to be awesome. And think I, so that's why I think it works. So the one thing that I always have hoped my whole life that they would actually make gritty that they never have is, is Wolverine. You see the Logan trailer and you're like, oh man, maybe hopefully is awesome. But so was the X-Men's Wolverine Origins trailer using the soundtrack from Sunshine. That was also an awesome trailer. And we thought that was going to be good. And I was fucking one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So 100%. I'm a, I'm, I'm like a, yeah, I'm really like so jaded and just beaten down in terms of those kind of movies that I'm going to get to watch. Cause I agree with you. I love those gritty kind of movies. When did you decide, Hey, you know, you're doing the script reading, you're in LA, you work in the industry in some way or another to, okay, let me go ahead and record myself speaking or just record my audio of me talking about what I love. When did that come? I guess a little over two years ago, I finally got bitten by the bug of listening to a lot of podcasts. I was old enough for my interest in like listening to a lot of new music was starting to kind of fade. Yeah. But I just started really, I got obsessed with like the Joe Rogan experience and the Nerdist and all these, there are just so many phenomenal podcasts out there that had all these brilliant guests. But one thing I noticed was that there was no podcast that was tackling film in a way where I wanted it to be tackled. But I I, I just basically realized if I want to hear the podcast that I really want to hear, you have to make I might as well just make it. And yeah. so I got together with some friends and we put it together kind of casually about two years ago. And then last year, I realized just how in love with it I was. And I kind of started pushing down on the gas pedal and cranking up more episodes, getting more guests. Like just yesterday, I interviewed a, uh, a filmmaker about who directed this documentary called The Witness. And as we were talking, he was waiting to see if it was going to be shortlisted for uh, the nomination for the Academy Award for Best Documentary. And as I left the building, the news came out that uh, The Witness had been shortlisted as one of the 15 for a potential nomination. So it seems like now we're starting to get some great guests. And like actor Bill Sage was on recently. He talked about all those films he made with Hal Hartley. So it really seems to be finding some traction with, uh, with our listeners and with our guests. For now, I'm just doing uh, pure audio for the podcast. And then for my video, I'm just doing my, uh, you know, kind of close up of my own ugly bald head for my YouTube channel. But uh, I definitely am aiming to increase my production value on both those fronts. Yeah, so Geeking Out is a YouTube channel, obviously, and you have a Twitter as well. But what you do, you have your point of view. Yeah, it is your face, but you got a cool face. And, and being bald, I mean, that's a, that, that's a your own look, you know? Like, if you're going out there dating or what whatnot, you have people who are just into that. You know, they got the guy with the hair. Like, no, I don't like hair. I want the bald well, guy. jealous of your mom. You got, a, you got a great looking head of hair I've noticed on your Twitter profile so yeah I, I once upon a time I had long hair and so I'm, I'm very very jealous when I see you guys still rocking a, uh, an epic set of hair yeah well I'm just saying if it starts going I'm going bald too so there might be some day we're both going to Jason Statham this way up I don't want to be like right in the middle I'm going all the way one way or the other but part of what I mean by you geeking out so you, obviously the content is what people like they like the they like the subjects you're talking about you're talking about Westworld I mean Westworld has so many different I find myself in a lot of these HBO shows watching some of these channels like yours different channels and, and giving me those kind of Easter eggs that I might not get because I'm so interested to find out what's going on. So you're providing that information. And for me on the What the Falk Show, what I wanted to do a little bit differently is why I did interviews and when I do fantasy football, strictly numbers, is to provide some information because there's so many people out there who are just going to talk about something and keep going. But what does that provide the listener? Try In this conversation, we'll provide information about what we love doing and what we love in terms of the industry. And hopefully someone out there listening is like, oh, I never heard about that movie. Who's Danny Cronenberg? Who's who's uh, John Milius? And they're learning something along the way. And it seems like you have that going on. So with Geeking Out, you're saying you also want to add like you want to bring guests on and make it a little bit more like skits and things like that or keep it yeah, still a... not necessarily skits but i would love to do like proper interviews you know yeah shot two shot, shot two shot we're actually get to sit down with some people however 
I do feel like there are a lot of people who just most people like that. I feel like the podcast audience are people sitting in their cubicles at work or on a long commute, and they just they just want the audio and like exactly. they don't really need the video. So I'm all for having wrong real for for the foreseeable future be a pure audio experience. And then with my own personal YouTube channel where I'm the sole owner, kind of exploring my video endeavors there. But I also just as a film history fanatic, another one of my long term goals is to produce an anime, not an anime film, a documentary film about film history. And so kind of try to build some of my audience through there. But uh, yeah, the, the animation stuff is also a great way for me to sketch my kind of uh, visual itch because I've been lucky enough to be working with Bill Plumpton now for about five years. And we've done uh, one feature film, a short film, and we have another short film that's almost finished now. And there, like, Bill doesn't need any creative input on my part. He just really needs people to help with, like, marketing and social media and promoting at comic conventions and distribution strategies and that sort of thing. So I do get to do some proper visual entertainment through my association with Bill Plimpton. And he, you know, animates beautifully in a way that I could never hope oh, to fuck achieve. Oh, yeah. So that's a, that's a great way for me to uh, kind of scratch my creative itch as well. Well, you said that you had already a short film that already was released. Where can listeners go ahead and find that? Loneliest Stoplight, and it's available on iTunes and on Vimeo and it actually stars uh, Patton Oswalt he does the voiceover narration and the feature film is called Cheatin which came out in the theater in 2015 and that's also available on iTunes and Netflix so yeah people can hunt that down but Bill Plimpton's been uh, nominated for two Oscars for shorts in the past and he's been animating for decades and basically five years ago I just cold called him and asked if he had any projects where he needed a producer and or investor to kind of help things along and he was like yeah we'll come in and talk and he's just the nicest human being that I've ever met in the movie industry and it's just been a pleasure and a privilege getting help in some small way uh, and then producing his slate of films. That is awesome. Okay, well, yeah, we're definitely going to check those films out. Patton Oswalt, for one, and th- and Bill Plimpton, man, those are two huge guys, so it's really cool you get to work hand-in-hand with people like that in the industry. Well, they met in your hometown of San Diego at Comic-Con. Bill was working his booth, and are you from San Diego, or do you just spent some time there? Uh, my, no, my, I have uncles and aunts that live there, so I would go there during the summer okay. as a kid, but gotcha. yeah. Well, we were at Comic-Con, and Bill's working his booth, and this guy comes up wearing a Mexican wrestling mask, and he just starts <laughs> talking like a fan, and at one point, he just pulls his mask up and it's Patton Oswalt. But he basically was wandering in disguise because he walks around the showroom floor, the convention room floor, outside of disguise. He just, you know, he He's likes his fans, but he also likes to enjoy the convention. But he yeah. and Bill just started talking and uh, flash forward a few years and we were making a film with him. Okay, well, how cool is that? Okay, well, you watch a lot of different things and obviously you commentate on it. Westworld's been one of those things. What's the best content you've seen this year so far? 2016 is almost over. Can you So can you give me like three projects? In terms of like big budget mainstream movies, for me, the most satisfying was Captain America Civil War. I actually saw that five times in the theater. I mean, I, I grew up reading Marvel Comics, so when that came along, it just blew my head right off. I was just enthralled by it. But in terms of uh, slightly more kind of character-driven, kind of mature films, I'd say Paul Verhoeven's film L, starring Isabel Huppert, that absolutely just destroyed me. I thought it was it just had balls of steel. It was just an incredibly shocking and provocative film, and I absolutely loved it. But my favorite movie of the year... I just saw last week, and I have to say it's a, a South Korean filmmaker's a movie called The Handmaiden. The director's name is Park Chan-wook, hmm. and it's erotic, and it's got a million twists and turns, and it's got multiple points of view in terms of uh, from what point of view we see the story unfold. Gorgeous production design, just unimaginable brutality. I mean, it's just everything that I want to see in a movie, and um, yeah, I, it's, it's almost three hours long. And it was too short. I mean, I did not want it to end. I felt it just was zipping along at this rapid clip. And so I strongly urge everyone to check out The Handmaiden. A movie by the same filmmaker people might have heard of in the past was his film Old Boy from 2004. Oh, wow. Which was also a kick-ass flick, which uh, Spike Lee went on to make an American remake of. Yeah. But yeah, but right now, I haven't seen uh, Manchester by the Sea yet, nor have I seen Moonlight, both of which I understand 
Dan are absolutely astonishing, and I will see those before year's end. But for now, yeah, The Handmaiden gets my vote for best movie of the year. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, Casey Affleck. We're doing a podcast about that next weekend. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to see that. I'm a big fan of Casey Affleck. I thought he did a great job in Gone Baby Gone, and then the assassination of the coward Robert Ford. I thought he was pretty great at that, too. Um, So what about some TV? Can you give me, like, three TV choices? I know you loved Westworld. What are some of the three best TV projects you saw? Yeah, Westworld definitely blew my mind. After that, I really, really enjoyed the latest season of Game of Thrones. Like, while yeah. the show seems to be adapting more and more of, like, a TV flavor, and in a weird way, it came almost kind of more satisfying because now we've been waiting for six years for the sixth book and the series to come out. And so the filmmakers, of um, D.B. Weiss and uh, David Benioff, have kind of been given a loose roadmap by George R. R. Martin about where to go, but they've been kind of given free reign to do kind of almost what they want as long as they get to the same place. Yeah. And I have to say, I thought season six was a dramatic improvement over season five, where I felt like they were kind of starting to lose their way. And I was just like hooks into my eyeballs, glued to every single episode, particularly toward the end of the season, where I thought they were delivering some of the most entertaining episodes of the season. So, yeah, after six years, we're finally seeing Daenerys Targaryen cross the narrow sea to be able to invade Westeros. And people have been asking, when is she finally going to go back? <laughs> like, over half a decade, well, she's finally going back. And people have been reading the books, they've been asking that question since like the early mid 90s. And she still hasn't left to go back yet, even in the books. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the books, you got to wait a little longer. Yeah, they've been waiting a long time. And, and- for me, Game of Thrones, the first like one to three seasons, I'd say, I wasn't, I, I watched it because I watch everything, especially on HBO. I'm such a proponent of them, but I uh, I thought it was just so many British people talking and I was like, oh my God, all the people I like keep getting killed and, and what am I, who am I supposed to root for? Like, I don't like anybody. Like, I hope John, you know, gets to do this, but everyone's just shitting on him all the time and, and then it just started getting better and better and I think part of D.B. Weiss and the other guy taking over for me is they're starting to give me satisfaction as a viewer, which I think is what we like so much. The, a lot of things we saw last year, last season was starting to get an idea of how these things actually occurred and people getting what they want like we want we wanted john to become king of the north we wanted john to be alive obviously if he would have died i think a lot of people would have just stopped watching so we're starting to get that satisfaction which is of course more of a tv kind of idea westworld it's a it's a big hbo show for you what is your favorite hbo show of all time still go with the sopranos just because i feel like that really launched the golden age of tv in a lot of ways and like before really? amc and netflix and all these different platforms were creating all these incredible shows that people love so much it, people kind of i think are starting to forget just how distinctive and original hbo was in the early 2000s in terms of kind of creating the model that so many people are following now and yeah, after like six seven years of the sopranos you really felt like you had kind of almost like grown up with these characters and gone through their trials and tribulations with them and it was just this brilliant gangster epic that uh, uh, is just it stands alone in terms of that type of entertainment on that platform so I was really into that but obviously The Wire is right up there in the mix Deadwood's right up there in the mix yeah. first season of True Detective I mean HBO's for the last 15 16 years just been killing it with so many memorable shows even the movies before that if you talk about Tales of the Crypt obviously Tales from the Crypt a TV show and then like Two Days in the Valley different movies that I own that HBO did they're just they're just the fucking best everything they make oh, I've been watching Dream On it was like great way to see some boobs on TV and that sort of thing yeah I've, I've, been, I've been watching HBO original programming basically my entire life well Falk yeah and Falk yes anybody listening right now to the What the Falk Show if you're listening via SoundCloud iTunes Stitch your pod directly my parents phone or the text message i just sent you but i promise it's a personal text message it's not a chain so you're not going to get a, a bunch of updates and uh, notifications things like that here with james hancock he's the creator of geeking out and he's the co-founder of wrong real find it wrongreal.com wow saying that word has been difficult for me so w's and r's i need to check my teacher for yeah, that it's, uh, a, it's a bit of a uh, yeah it's a bit of a mouthful but i should 
probably uh, explain where the name came from, but I don't want to interrupt your uh, your, uh, your advertising. No, that was good. Actually, I'm I'm ready. So let's explain where we get that well, name. Oh, when I lived in LA, I, I used to go to the LACMA a lot for uh, for movies. They have a great movie theater there. Yeah, and I was there one day to see a Day at the Races, a Marx Brothers movie. Okay, and you know it was I was it was one of those situations where it was like one or two in the afternoon. And I was the only person in there under ninety, but you know relatively <laughs> packed audience. They were all there ready to to geek out to the Marx Brothers, and the movie's playing, and it's the first time I've seen it, so I don't notice anything's wrong. But when there's a, a cut from one reel to the next, because I think the reels are like ten or eleven or twelve minutes, basically, this person behind me just roars, "Wrong reel!" as loud as they could, because whoever had assembled the film for projection had assembled the reels in the wrong order. So they had to stop the movie, unspool everything, and break it down and re- reassemble the film, and then get it going again. And just that guy's righteous indignation always kind of stuck with me and so when we were coming up with names for uh, the podcast that was the first one that came to mind and just the fact that it is kind of hard to pronounce wrong real i feel like it makes people kind of say it more slowly and more deliberately so they got to put a little more emphasis on it so yeah we just we're very proud of the name yeah well that's pretty awesome i'm definitely going to check out wrongreal.com and check out the, the the recent interview you had with the shortlisted for the academy award documentary filmmaker which is pretty fucking cool and yeah, james uh, solomon yeah, James Solomon at Geeking Out on Twitter and uh, your videos. Obviously, what's what's the next show you think you're going to go ahead and like preview and do uh, reviews on? Do you have any ideas? I'm actually asking people for their recommendations on it because I mean, obviously, nothing's going to replace Westworld in the immediate future. It's getting 11 million viewers per episode. I yeah, mean, just movies like I mean, shows like that just don't grow on trees. But it's a very very long time to wait for the next Game of Thrones. So I've basically been asking everyone I can think of, like, look, give me some shows that I can tackle because I'm now that I'm used to a little bit of traffic on the channel. I don't want that traffic to go away. So I'll probably tackle maybe five to ten different shows initially and see what really grabs a hold of me. There's a science fiction show coming up for the second season in um, January, and I'm blanking on the name, but it's on the Sci-Fi Channel that a lot of people have been saying I would really love. They said it's like up there with like um, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so I'm definitely going to kind of get caught up in the first season to be prepared for that. Second season of Leftovers is a contender. Um, the Young Pope on HBO is a contender. So there's definitely a lot of cool stuff coming. But yeah, a show. At, what was so engaging about Westworld? The plot was so intricate, and there were so many theories about it. And because you couldn't binge watch it, because you had to wait a week between each episode, it invited these brilliant water cooler discussions on Monday morning as everyone online or at their place of business was debating what the, the previous night's episode signified and what it might mean in the uh, the episodes to come. And it created this feverish sense of engagement and almost outright hostility times if people had conflicting theories about where the show was going. Yeah. But I just loved it because – when you have that level of passion, it all comes from a place of love. It doesn't come from a place of apathy, like, oh, this show's okay. Let's have fights about it. It's like, no, people love the show. And a lot, in a lot of cases, love the show for very different reasons. So it was really, really interesting to see just that online debate. So I'm kind of uh, sorry to see that debate draw to a close. But I'm sure, I mean, another show will rise that invites that same level of intensity. Just a matter of time to, before we figure out what it is. I'm, we're here at the rapid fire part of the interview here on the What the Falk show. I, uh, I've had a great Falcon time thus far. So at this point, we're going to go ahead and do some rapid fire questions. Answer as quickly as you can the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you Falcon ready? I'm Falcon ready. Okay. Uh, best Batman? Christian Bale. Best movie Batman? series um bruce con oh, is it bruce con what's the name of the actor anyway batman the animated series i don't know if that technically qualifies as a movie but they did do movie mask of the phantasm so yeah, i'm gonna say the animated series batman okay folk yeah uh who do you want kevin Costner or kurt russell one movie one role who you put in kurt russell all kurt- the way folk yeah i agree who's the better scott ridley or tony uh 
Tony Scott's the cooler, but Ridley's the more distinguished. I can totally see that. Suicide Squad sucked. True or false? True. <laughs> Layer Cake is an awesome Falcon movie that people should watch. Please tell me you've seen it. Hell fucking yeah. Falk, yeah. Hell fucking yeah. Hell fucking yeah. Who plays you in a movie? Ooh, awesome question. Uh, Grant Morrison, my favorite comic book writer. He's Scottish, but we look alike, and uh, he's like my spirit shaman. So, uh, yeah, and he's too old for it, but I would still say Grant Morrison all the way. Okay, fuck yeah. Now, Westworld kind of world, what world do you go to? Do you go to Westworld, Samurai World, uh, Underwater World? Where do you go? Which I know is a savage, evil, dark, brutal place, but it's got everything I like. So it would be, first, a Game of Thrones world, and second would be a Westworld world, because I do love the West as well, but it's uh, it's not nearly as cool as medieval fantasy. That's awesome. And, West, and uh, what's R.R. Martin was talking about how cool it would be if there was a Game of Thrones world in Westworld. Oh, I'd spend all my money. I, I hope they don't make it, because I'll, I'll be destitute in a year, because I'll spend all my time there. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And, and I, would, uh, I would want real steaks, too. <laughs> exactly. And last question. Uh, you, you said a guy, Grant Morrison, but who's your favorite fellow shaped head uh, bald guy? Actor, like who's your? Who, who, I'm not saying that you look up to him, but like who's the coolest bald actor? Shaved, but Ed Harris as the Man in Black and Westworld definitely gets my vote at least for now because it's like he's pretty, he's close cropped, well, so he's not quite there, but uh, he's close enough. It was nice to uh, have you on the show and talk about film and television. Thanks for talking to me about you being the co-founder of Wrong Real, founder of Geeking Out, and find wrongreal.com and at Geeking Out on Twitter, social media, and all things like that. Could I say that maybe this is your, your top eleven podcast experience for you as a guest? It's definitely. A, it, safely say it breaks the top 10 but only if you agree to come on wrong reel and talk some flicks with us i'm falking down man i'm falking down nice. I'm, i'll write down all these different movies that you've seen at least i know that we're we already have something going on the fact that we both like kurt russell over kevin costner and we both agree that larry cake is one of those fucking awesome underrated movies so oh, God, you know, launch matthew von's career i'm a massive fan of matthew von's he's, he's never made a bad movie right has he ever made yeah. a bad movie he's like the most it's consistent King's, kingsman part two coming out soon and apparently it's totally fucked up just like the first one so i'm looking forward to that one oh heck yeah fuck yeah man hey well you have a wonderful holiday season and thanks for being on the show and uh listeners i'll definitely tell them to check out all the things we mentioned on this episode they're gonna listen through soundcloud itunes stitcher pod directory my parents phone the text messages i will hopefully say you james and uh thanks falcon again man have a great uh, have a great evening thank you so much for having me uh, i greatly appreciate it okay peace talk to you soon that was james hancock my guest here on the what the fall show co-founder of wrong reel creator of geeking out cinephile guys worked in the industry like talked about working with phoenix pictures about being a script reader find me on social media at my wtf show be it facebook twitter instagram a snapchat if i can do it and obviously as i said soundcloud itunes stitcher pod directory i will also be doing a fantasy football calm or caution another episode last this week uh, people talked about it last week they kind of enjoyed it provided some information i'll be comparing the DraftKings daily fantasy prices based on the value and what i think you should be calm with players that you should be okay with paying that money and which players you should caution you should be like fuck no i'm not gonna go ahead and play that guy james hadcock thanks for being on the show thank you to you for falcon listening and uh, make sure you check out my sponsor ferris pizza the best pizza for the best price with the most love in it ferrispizza.com anyone out there formals are coming up proms pretty soon as well you got dances you got big events check out american comfort limousines get some luxury travel in your life find them at americancomfortlimo.com let's go ahead and join team acl connor falk falk yeah falk yes thanks for listening